Welcome to episode five of the Black and White Theology Podcast. I'm Noah Filipiak here with Tyler St. Clair. We are your Little Debbie Hostess Cupcake with the white frosting in the middle, <sighs> squiggled on top, surrounded by chocolate goodness. How you doing today, No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're, we're definitely not that. Um, other than that, I'm fine. <laughs> You're a reprehensible human being. Well, but I am saved by the unlimited atonement of Jesus. Is that what it was that we talked about? I don't don't know if you're saved. Unconditional election, limited atonement. You know, the tulip, as we look at it, the middle three letters are like the same. Like they could have just picked a shorter flower name. Like they could have. Like a three letter flower, not U L I. very I wasn't similar. born, so they're very I, similar. I, I so yeah, facts. I wasn't born, so and I didn't write the tulip. So, do you remember last episode when you asked me how I was doing and I told you I wasn't getting any sleep and you played your violin for me? Do you remember that? Yes. Yes. Okay, so this is funny. I had said I feel great because I got sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. The reason was I found out a couple days later. The night I had insomnia, I turned the baby monitor volume off, right? So, because I'm up at 3 a.m., it's a video monitor, so I can see the baby, no big deal. So the reason I slept the next two nights well is because the volume was off on the, bi- the um, video monitor. So. You're a deadbeat parent. I, am. I always, You always came off to, came <laughs> off, uh, to me as a deadbeat, but I didn't want to say it. But Well, and here's the theological... Now, now, now the truth is out. The theological correction is we called that a miracle. I, I claimed that to be a miracle in the last podcast oh. that my baby slept through the night. But like many miracle uh, hucksters nowadays, it was uh, not a true miracle. Not that we're saying miracles don't exist, but that was not one. So take that off the list. Yeah. Way to go, Jesse Duplantis. <laughs> is, <laughs> is that the guy with the jet? Yeah, he no. They already have like three, and he wants the brand new, 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 new. Well, I think he wants want the new joint. He wants a new one. It's his fourth jet. I read about that. So his it's something like he's yeah, he's. Man. It's time to trade in the old one, and uh, he, he's going to sell it to us. Actually, we're going to who whose man's is this? We're going to get a black and white theology logo put on the side of his old jet. Fly it from Lansing to Detroit. He won't. So me and you. We definitely. I'm going to drive that thing down the highway. Uh, I-96 to come visit you. Please don't. (laughs) It doesn't even need to fly. It's just going to drive there. All right. Well, we got a lot of stuff to get to this episode. Yeah. Uh, We are going to begin in our mailbag. We still have a lot of old mail to catch up on. So if you are interested in writing mail to us, you can do so. We'll let you. We're a little backlog still, but we'll, we, we promise to get to it eventually. Our email eventually. address is bwtheology at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Twitter at bwtheology. We will follow you back so that you can send us private messages. Here comes our mailbag. you got three years left. No. <laughs> That's not our mailbag. Now i gotta, Now I got to edit that out. Or I'll just leave it in. Here comes our mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. We run a tight ship around here. I tell you that. 
This is what happened when white people were in charge. Don't even get me started. Do not get me started. Do not get me started. Hold me back, Lord. Hold me back. (laughs) Elizabeth, I'm coming. This is all on tape. I don't want to sin on tape, Jesus. Help me. All right, mailbag. We have a letter that we have waited on for quite a while. We're going to jump into it today. Interestingly enough, Clio, Michigan, where another story we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, a uh, pickup truck was, was that this week, that story you sent me? Pickup truck was spray painted. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's that. Yeah. So let's talk about that before we get to our mailbag, just because <laughs> I, I just opened it up. So Clio, Michigan, white pride was spray painted. Uh, on a truck, it was spelled W-I-T-E, so whoever wrote that obviously didn't pass first grade vocabulary test, spelling bee, not not exactly the spelling bee champion of the world. Uh, white pride along with, it looks like, some swastikas and the N-word were spray painted on an activist truck, Hubert Roberts in Clio, Michigan. That's near you, right? Is Clio near Detroit? Uh, a little, it's a little... Pass flat. So this is about an hour and 10, hour, 15 minutes for me. So this article's on the Detroit Free Press. You can find it. But Hubert Roberts is black, and I imagine there's not many black folks in Clio, only because it's a rural town in rural Michigan. Is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so our friend Joe Swords has a church in Clio, and the email from today that I'm about to read is also from joe's church exchange church in clio so before great church great church and great pastor amen yeah i've never been to joe's church but i i knew joe before he planted and he is a really awesome guy good Uh, i knew him pre-beard so he he met all you x29 (laughs) guys and like the beard grew out i knew him pre-beard when he was just a normal guy uh I, i know that's part of your initiation process and everything it is actually. Yeah, yeah. So, but you're but you're not a man that can grow a beard. So, I can grow a beard. I can. I like lies. To keep it trim. Actually, my wife does not like my beard, and uh, I didn't want to look like one of you Acts twenty nine brothers. Men, we, you do want to look like a man. I was gonna say clones, but that seems a little bit derogatory. So there's I, no one. There's no one in Acts twenty nine that looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> So what I was going to say about the Clio uh, spray painting with Hubert Roberts' truck, a lot of times, when, you know, you and I, Tyler, we both really advocate for multi-ethnic churches. And if you're in a rural area especially, and a suburban area as well, su- suburbs are a bit different in my mind because the suburbs were created by white flight, whereas Basically, the history of the suburbs back in the 50s was white people leaving the city because they didn't want to be around these scary black people. And they created white suburbs and the government helped them do it with the GI Bill and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have a lot of rural towns. If you go north of Claire in Michigan, you you know, you go anywhere in the northern half of Michigan. It's just a lot of a lot of woods, a lot of farmland. There's not, and that's pretty typical for a lot of places. Ohio, where I grew up, not as Mm -hmm. much woods, but just a lot of farmland. And it just has always been white farmers that have lived there, with the exception of the Native Americans that, you know, that's our prehistory before black oppression was Native American oppression. But as far as 
today goes, I guess I give those communities a pass. You can't really create a multi-ethnic church 50-50, let's say, in Clio or many other communities like this. But I think this example shows why it's so important that these white homogenous churches or wherever you are are talking about race issues on a regular basis to your white congregation and -hmm. are talking about racism as a sin and are bringing in people of color to be guest speakers and things like that because I think those towns are some of the most racist towns in the United States. And so Mm -hmm. just because you don't have black people as many or Hispanic people as many in your town doesn't mean you get a pass to not talk about these things. Thoughts on that? Well, and and to speak for um, Joe Soares and the exchange, um, I've preached there, I think, three, two or three times. Yeah. Uh, Joe is a a good friend of mine. Um, Joe speaks on race, racial issues, class issues from a a gospel perspective uh, very often and very openly. And like I said, I've I've spoken there multiple times. Me and him are actually doing a pulpit swap in the fall. So um, there are churches... um, uh, Joe's church in Clio, another friend of mine, X29 Church, Ben Luthi, he's in, um, why am I drawing a blank? Uh, I know, Ben. Where is he? I knew him as well. Anchor, 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 Anchor. Church. Yeah. And uh, why am I drawing a blank? I'll find it. Near Pinckney. Pinckney. Oh. Uh, up uh, there. Howell. Pink- he, isn't he in Howell? Yeah. Yeah, he's in Howell. He's in, in Howell. Howell. Yeah. And how has a very, very bad past. Yeah. One, past of, the, one of the KKK uh, Grand Dragons or whatever they call them is from Howell. They, they, and they had some yeah. recent past, too. They were, like, selling some KKK outfits at a thrift store, things like that. I mean, it is, oh. that's that's right down the road from me. That's, like, east yeah. east suburb yeah. of Lansing. Yeah, but Far east, just but. I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged because dudes like that are in – towns and they are speaking out and they're and they're and they're i'm doing a pulpit swap with um with ben in the fall as well so he's gonna come preach um in detroit and i'm gonna go preach at how I've, I've preached this church before so i'm overall i am encouraged because more and more of my brothers are um speaking to their extremely white contacts about why uh, why should we talk about racism why should we talk about race and it's all white people uh, in our yeah. town and in our city yeah. Um, that doesn't mean it doesn't. And I've heard Ben say this, um, and I never thought of it quite this way. It doesn't mean that you are not uh, racist just because the town is all white. You, you, it's just a heart issue um, just because you're not like outwardly racist and outwardly using the N word. There's none of them around <laughs> for yeah. you to use. The, so, um, yeah, I, I'm encouraged because I see it happening more and more with, with cats that I know and um in other places around the country. But yeah, it's important that, that they, that they are intentional about that. It's funny when I sent that to you, I, for some reason I, 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 I didn't put the connection. I forgot that it was in, um, Clio when I sent that to yeah. you. Yeah, that's a great point. And it is really easy, you know, as a white pastor and I've been in all white churches before, it's really easy to never talk about race. And you might think, well, why do we need to? We're all white, but these are the communities people of color are the most afraid to go into they're mm-hmm. the most afraid to live in and and the example of the truck being spray painted is is one of those reasons that people or it, not a reasons is one of the examples of of why legitimately people of color are afraid of that and so the church in those communities really can be 
a prophetic voice. I mean, it can be a voice that's, I think, a change agent laying the ground so that when you have people of color in your community, and a, a friend of mine, it's a pastor here, Luis Torres, he's Puerto Rican, and he always says to me about those white communities, he says, don't forget that in those white communities, there's lots of oftentimes migrant workers. There's lots of Latinos mm, that are mm -hmm. in those communities that you don't see necessarily on the surface, but mm -hmm. those white churches have to have those folks on their mind as well as their mission field Absolutely. and their community and what the church is meant to be. And that was a really helpful perspective from Luis on that, which I appreciate. But yeah, I just bring it up to say, I don't think any church gets a pass to talk about these things because you could be the church that ch changes Clio or, you know, as Joe Sorge is doing, uh, so that when someone who's of color moves into your town and maybe you, you, you reach the guy that was going to spray paint the truck and now he's not going to spray paint the truck anymore. Or right. you've created a church community where the guy who got his truck spray painted can go to your community and find not all white people are like this, you know, th those right. sorts of things. So very important. Well, let me jump mm -hmm. into this email. This is from Chris Wandor. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. You know Chris, you said? Yeah, yeah. He's a good dude. We've met a couple of times. Yeah, he's he's at Joe Short. Is it Wa yep. Wandor? I'm not going to lie and say I know how to pronounce the man's right. name. My name's Filippiak, and nobody says it right, so I'm allowed to butcher I don't. I, I'd name. say it wrong on purpose. I yeah. say your name wrong on purpose. Well, I'm going to say Chris's name wrong on purpose. Chris <laughs> Wandor. Maybe that's how you say it. I don't know. All right, Chris. He says, hi, Tyler and Noah. I greatly appreciate you guys taking the time and effort to talk about the gospel and race issues on your podcast. I've really enjoyed your thoughts so far. Well, thank you. From what I have seen, the discussion around race has been pretty fragmented. However, I believe he means in general, not on our podcast. Yeah. However, I found, and he, and he links to, Kevin DeYoung's article on areas where we agree and disagree to be a helpful attempt to give the discussion more direction. But I think it would be helpful to go one step further and define what disagreements should be central and most important and what topics are peripheral. And then he says, I guess I could be boiled down to where should the attention debate be focused? So let's start with Kevin DeYoung's article. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you that don't know Kevin, he was a, a longtime pastor in my community in East Lansing, Michigan, at University Reformed Church. He is a very successful, prolific author and blogger uh, within the predominantly within the Gospel Coalition, and you know Acts twenty nine, I guess, would be included in that uh, networks and 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 uh, maybe stream of theology, this new Reformed movement of theology. I believe he's mm -hmm. in one of the Carolinas now. I believe he. Uh, I believe, yeah. At, at a teaching at a seminary and um, and pastoring at a church, uh, but really, really great guy, uh, white guy. I mean, I think it's important. You know, anytime you read an article to know about race and, and things to know someone's context. So, white guy, uh, URC here in East Lansing, very white. Uh, you know, not not. I would say, and, and great friends of mine are the current senior pastor there is a is a friend of mine now. Uh, I go to monthly prayer meetings at URC. This is a really, really, with other pastors, really, really solid uh, gospel church. And uh, that, that's a church that Kevin really built, I think, the DNA of. Uh, in that pastor prayer group that I go to, there's about 15 of us, maybe, from around the Lansing area. Uh, we call ourselves, or they, they call us, Lansing Area Gospel Coalition. We are all white, all, all 15 of us. Uh, there. There's a, a, a couple others in the room who know the, the work I do for racial reconciliation and are asking me to kind of help that group and things like that, and, and, we're, and we're kind of getting there. But that's just a little bit of context 
And so uh, I have the article here in front of me, highlighted a few things. Tyler, you're gonna it's gonna make you sound dumb if you didn't. But did you read any of this? <laughs> I don't know how to read. I know. Well, you know how to look at pictures. I think there was one picture. So uh, you read some of this, right? Because you wanted me to I send did. you the article. I did read it. All right. You want to start, or you want me to start? You can start. I just had a couple notes. I mean, basically, what Kevin tried to do. I think he did a really good job. I mean, he mm-hmm. he tried to lay out within Christianity, within the gospel-centered movement of Christianity. There's things we di- agree on, and there's things we disagree on when it comes to race. And what um, in our mailbag, what Chris is asking is, Kevin lists about 12 things. I think Chris is asking mm-hmm. what we think are the most important, where should the attention be focused? And so right. uh, I, I don't know. I didn't, when I read it, I wasn't thinking of that question. I just had a couple things where I thought some of the, one thing that's helpful when you talk about racism first is there's there's many types of racism. You have the racism where people spray paint on trucks, the N-word. You also have things like institutional racism. So if you're trying to do a church merger with the black church and a white church, the white church is going to have to acknowledge institutional racism. It's going to have to acknowledge cultural racism where... It's cultural bias as well. Cultural bias, yeah. Some wouldn't mm-hmm. even use the term racism there, and some would. That's where it can get a little tricky. But the idea is we do things the white way. We think it's the right way, but it's really just the white way. And we also have always been in power in society. And so we, as the demographic in power and privilege, are going to submit to the demographic that has been oppressed. And so part of the reconciliation is... We, as the white church, created the black church through oppression. So now, mm-hmm. instead of saying you have to become white to become like us, we are going to put, we're going to follow your lead, right? And so right. That, that gets really messy. I mean, that gets really complicated, mm-hmm. and that's what we're trying to do at Crossroads here in Lansing. And it's it's easy to talk about. It, it becomes very challenging because I think all of us have different definitions of what is racist and what isn't racist. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so when you're talking about that in a church context, you're going to have that conversation. You're, you're going to have a strong push for, let's say you have black gospel music, for example, and the best it is. Hey, (laughs) I'm all for it. I'm all for it for, for, for most of it within that there, there's some, let's say black gospel songs that are theologically just brutal, brutal, just (laughs) wrong just, and, and heretical just wrong yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and uh and so um you know if you say to your your black worship leader and you're a white you're a, a white guy or your black pastor and your white guy or whatever it may be and you say you know that song is that it's theologically wrong it's heretical that can, that can be perceived as racist yeah because it's a it's a cultural icon right uh another example along the same lines is White people, unless you're charismatic white, I mean, there's there's a lot and there's a lot of charismatic whites. I mean, there's the biggest church in Lansing is a white charismatic church. It's mm. it's kind of multi ethnic, but all the leadership is white. So I mean, there's white people who definitely are expressive in the way they worship, hands raised, clapping, singing loud, expression. But in the uh, in the charismatic movement, that becomes seen as uh, that means you have the Holy Spirit. So if you if you, right, worship, right. if you if you worship stoically, I would call it. If you worship, 
I, I think of Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. And so if you worship by being still, which is very mm-hmm. biblical, within, let's say, the charismatic movement, but I don't know the, the breakdown. I feel like more of the black church has a charismatic worship bent to it than, yeah. than doesn't. Yeah. Is that true? You, you can, yeah, you can be... Um, you can be Baptist and AME and not be charismatic in theology, right? But be expressive and charismatic in worship, right? Most black churches that I've experienced, been in, and and, and United, I grew up in a United Methodist church, and and they were, you know, Armenian, um, and not and didn't emphasize and didn't quote emphasize the Holy Spirit, but they were extremely. Uh, expressive in worship. That's just, um, I think. It, I think it's more of a in the in the black church context. It's more of a um, cultural thing than a theological expression. Yeah, right, right. D- dig what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And and so the cultural piece is what I'm getting at. So let's say <laughs> you have a black worship leader and they're in a majority white church, and the majority white church is just not getting into it. They're not. They're not. There's they're they're singing. You know, some, but they're not clapping. They're not really singing loud. Some people don't sing at all that black worship leader can look at that and say, well, one or two things. One, that it's sinful to not to not um, kind of get into the worship more. Or two, mm-hmm. that it's racist to not get into right. the worship more. And I, I bring those up as like landmines as I, you know, Kevin's first point under racism, we do not agree on what else counts as racism or the degree to which our cultural, civic, and ecclesiastical institutions are basically race-blind, racialized, or outright racist. Mm-hmm. So, Tyler, I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that as far as worship goes when it comes to doing multi-ethnic church. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what are the expectations that should be there for, let's say, the blacks in the church, or I think people mm-hmm. of color in general. I think Hispanics and L- Latino churches are, are pretty expressive in the way they worship mm-hmm. traditionally. Oh, yeah. And then you have the white, especially the white, like, reformed movement. It's We call them the frozen chosen. Mm-hmm. And, Presbyterians, yeah. Yeah. They, they, Presbyterian, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you, the tradition there for centuries has just been liturgical, or it's been, you know, you sing the words, but where is the Read, lo- read sit down, stand up, read, they, sit down, stand up, pray, sit down, stand up, read, pray, listen, stand up, read, pray. Amen. And, <laughs> where, and this is just your opinion. I'm not asking you to speak for all black people, but that is a, a problem right. when mm-hmm. I think, where do you think the line is drawn on what is like racist? If a, a black worship leader is, is, is worshiping and a white, a majority white church isn't sort of getting into it the way the black right. worship leader would like, is that racist? And maybe it is, maybe it's not, you know, which can you kind of help where you think that line is drawn and you have a yeah. unique perspective because you are an Acts 29 guy. I mean, you, you know, your church is multi-ethnic, but your um, your lens is going to be different, I think, than a, mm-hmm. uh, a mainline black, you know, traditional denomination person. Well, I mean, I, I grew up in that, though. Right, right, right. You know, I grew up in traditional black church context, you know, and that's my bag, man. I love, I love Hammond B3. I love choirs. I, I, I love traditional, you know, black church worship, but... Part of what I realized, I realized that I had to, if I wanted, to, if I wanted our church to be diverse, I realized that I had to lay down some of my preferences. Sure. You know, you know, so some of the music that we sing and our type of worship necessarily isn't completely my preference, but it's not about my preference. It's about 
what serves what serves our body well and what's inviting to um, new believers. Uh, what is what can still what can communicate to unbelievers? What is somewhat familiar to the people in our context? What won't overwhelm uh, white folk that's not new to that that's new to our con- you know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. kind of like we juggle all of those lines just in picking what songs, what instruments. Um, so yeah, it's I think that's where communication is is um, clear communication and clear vision and direction is needs to be expressed from the leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, so when we first started planting, I had a guy, um, good dude. He said, "Hey, I got a couple. You know, they want they're interested in being uh, part of because I was looking for a worship leader." And I said, "Are they black or are they white?" They're white. I said, "No, thank you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, "Wow." You know, I said, I, "I don't, I, I don't feel that that will communicate best uh, what we're trying to express as our uh, as we in the integral uh, beginning of our church." I, I desire a black worship leader because I don't want people coming off of Southfield Freeway and Grand River, people coming off the streets to walk into this church and see a church that's just about just about half white and hear a bunch of Chris Tomlin songs that they, they don't know. Chris Tomlin. So, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I don't even know the other. Yeah, yeah, a lot of Hillsong. Hillsong. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? That won't, that won't, that, that'll go over like a lead balloon. And in in my context, I mean, that's why a lot of churches that that present that style of worship, they have a hard time uh, connecting with the black folks in their context. I mean, black folk, we're musical people. Yeah, we we just we we communicate in music. You know, we 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 don't you know, I often say this. We don't we don't sing music. We feel music. You know, white people hear music. Black people feel music. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, painting with a broad brush, but I mean, that's just what that's what uh, what I've observed. So, we desire a black worship uh, leader. You know, we 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 have all the instruments. We we'll have an acoustic guitar, but we have we got a brother that's playing the keys. You know, and we have drum as well. We have African drum as well. And let me say so, that a brother playing the keys is much different than a white brother or sister <laughs> playing the keys. So just, I, honestly, like I think a lot of white people are like, yeah, we have the keyboard. That's a, I didn't know that was a black instrument. There's black gospel keys, and literally, you, yeah, you, you yeah, can only play that if you have grown up playing black gospel yeah. music. It is a different language. I'm telling even, you, even drumming, even, even drumming, even, yes, yeah. I mean, so our we had a we had a a a, 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 a musician famine last week. Uh, we had tons <laughs> of people out of town, yeah. But I, I ended up playing. I ended up playing because I drummed. I drummed in the church for years. But you know, the way that it's it's just even a, a swing and a rhythm of black church drum that I can't even I can't even explain and articulate right. to some of our white drummers because right. I don't know how to I don't know how to explain it. I just know how to pick up the sticks and yeah and put the hot sauce on it. So it's go. just it, it's knowing and but again you have to know people and 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 to my point to circle back um, it comes in. Clarifying, um, clarifying where we're headed, and clarifying what we desire. And a person can be like I remember the first time I preached at a church that was 100% all white. I wasn't like discouraged or upset or or 
because I'm used to feedback. I'm yeah. used to talk back. Yeah, I'm white used people to... won't talk back to you. And, yeah. and that's, another, that's another example where that, that yeah. is often perceived as racist by oh, a, a, right. a black communicator, a black preacher. Yeah. I didn't view it as I didn't view it as like, oh, they're being racist to me. I just was I was just like really confused. Yeah. yeah. And like and it, and it kind of threw me. Right. You know, I. And I, I I preach like Nolan Ryan pitched. I just I just 100 miles an hour. That's all I got yeah. a fastball. That's all I got. Yeah. So I'm preaching. I'm I'm sweating and I'm putting in work. And I and I I see like heads down and people with their heads <laughs> down. They're thinking, no. Oh. So right, right, I talked right. talked to the pastor afterwards. He said, man, you know that was that was an amazing message. I was like, I didn't think anybody was even paying attention. No, man, everybody was taking notes. I said that's what we do. White people we take notes when when the message is good. Yeah. So I mean. Oh, but it's because I have I had a good relationship with the pastor. You know, he clarified that and we, and we have conversations and speak openly about it. So, I mean, there are things that you can view things as, you know, racist or prejudiced or bigoted and then not it just be a just a cultural difference. Um, let me let me ask on that back to the Young's article in the question of the email, like what? I bring it up not I, I, the conversation about music. I br I bring up as as a I think a uh, an example a case study of where you're uh, one place you'd run into this in church. If uh, the preaching is another good example, so the Young's point is we don't agree. We being and he and he, he does a good preface to this. It's not black versus white. He's just saying right. within the Christian community, but but he also acknowledges. Yeah, there's predominantly there's a, a, a black stream of thought about some of these things and then predominantly a white stream of thought. So we don't always agree on what is what what is and isn't actually racist. And so in that example of the music, and I think there's probably a, 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 a spectrum for each of these. So if yeah. your black worship leader is is leading music emotionally and where is as you as a pastor where do you counsel them on they feel like these white people in the church maybe it's one specific person but probably more it's probably more like you describe this whole church like the vibe of this place just they're mm -hmm. not into what we're doing to what to what extent do you counsel the white church to say you you know you need to embrace this singer and her culture or his culture, mm -hmm. because it, because it's her, it's it's black culture, and, and, and to not embrace right. it is like saying white culture is better. Like white culture is better. Right. I'm going to do white culture way. And so, who needs to be counseled in that? Is it the worship leader? Is it everybody? Everybody, right? Because it feels like the like. So it's funny that the we, we actually we actually had that. Yeah, we had that. Um, so how do you talk to both sides of that? To to the let's say the black worship leader and then to the white parts of your congregation. Um, I mean, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it just in different church contexts. Um, another church that I served that, um, <clears throat> the, uh, white, the white brothers and sisters only responded to, you know, fill in the blank, um, hill song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, then when, the worship team would try to do a gospel song and it's, you know, the emotional and it's driven by the drum and it's fast and it's upbeat. They just kind of mail it in. Um, so I've seen, I've seen that as well, where it's kind of like the church is kind of rejected, um, reject what they was foreign and embrace what was familiar. 
Um, and I've also seen that on the black church uh, with, with black Christians. Kind of like I don't like this song. This song, this song has too many verses. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Know this song. What is a what is a come thou found? Which is probably my favorite song. But you know, <laughs> you know some. Right. Uh, I mean, I love that song. And I that song is hundreds of years old. I think. I, I'm just guessing. Oh. Those hymns are just hundreds and hundreds of years old. I love it. That's yeah. one of my favorite. Yeah. You know. Uh, but so I've seen I've seen it on both sides. Where yeah. I mean, but that's human nature. A part yeah. of it is. I think a part of it is a part of it is cultural, a part of it is um, human nature. We we accept what's familiar, and we re- and we sometimes outwardly, passively, or subconsciously reject what's foreign. Um, and I th- and it's also personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, there I'm I'm an outward, expressive person when I do everything. Right. So when I'm when I'm listening, you know, I'm, when I'm praising and I'm in worship. I'm I'm singing loud, hands clapping. That's how I am. I, some of, that's my personality. And there are some people who will you sit them, see them, and it's white or black in the middle of worship. They just have their head down and they're singing. Right. They're not worshiping Jesus any less. Um, so I, I think um, I think it's a hard thing. You know, like when we uh, I've had conversations in front of congregation, like, hey, we want to try a gospel song. You know, we want to serve all people. We want to be diverse. So, hey, don't be, you know, don't hold back. I know it's it's different from you, but I encourage you to, you know, try to get along with it. You know, yeah. and, and that's, something, that's something that you can say from the pulpit, you know, and, and, and try and in a way that's, you know, attempting to be encouraging and galvanizing, not in a um, oppressive, you know, legalistic way. Like if you don't clap, if you don't sing, you're not worshiping Jesus. It's like, hey, man, this is something I know it's different. I know it's. You know, I've done that when we sung hymns. Yeah, yeah, and right, right. You know, like, hey, I know this song is uh, is old and it has these and thous and thuses and has words, but try to try to embrace it. We're worshiping Jesus together. You know, we've tried to we've tried to, we've done songs in Spanish, and there's one or two people in there that speak Spanish. Right. But you know, they're edified in a special way. So um, I think it comes from leadership. You know, what what are, what are the leaders doing to? Um, encourage people to say, "Hey, let's serve our brother, and let's let let's, let let everybody um, be willing to lay down their preferences and privileges uh, to serve someone else." Right. Yeah. My kind of closing thoughts on on that example. I think you know, I'm thinking of your example where you're preaching to this all white church and how how just normal and natural it is in a black setting for there to be response from the crowd. Mm-hmm. And I've been, I was just this last Saturday, was at a men's conference, and, and I was one of the few white people there. It was all black speakers, bl- a bunch of black churches got together for this. And the, the main speaker was black, and he wasn't getting enough, like, response from the crowd. <laughs> and he was, like, he was from out of town, and he was, like, kind of joking, but not. He was he was not pleased. He was like, do y'all even want me to keep talking? You know, like, where mm-hmm. where are you guys at? He put the microphone down at one point, you know. And uh, we've been trying to be, you know, multicultural for a long time at Crossroads. And I know that it's important to a black preacher, usually, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. almost always in my experience, that there's that there's that there's that response there. Mm -hmm. So I try to give it now. I've been doing this for years. And when I do it, it still is like I've been married for 14 years. That's this week was the 14-year anniversary, and that's why we're, we're not on our schedule for Tuesday. That's my fault this time. But, uh, you know, when I first got, before you get married, at least for me, I called my wife's parents 
Mr. and Mrs. Good, when I first met them, when I was in, in college and dating Jen, I think as we dated for a long time, as we got engaged maybe is when they let me call them Deb and Greg. So I called them, and I, I was glad for that. I think Mr. and Mrs. Good, that's weird, you know. Deb and mm -hmm. Greg is great. I'm very comfortable with that. Then when we got married, they told me specifically, they said, we want you to call us mom and dad. We want you to call us that. And that's different for every family. I know in-laws that, that don't, you know, <laughs> they don't call them mom and dad, whatever. But in my setting, that's what they mm -hmm. were called. Do you know how hard it was for me to call? I didn't call them anything for like three years, I think. I just, like, I, I just, it was just so weird. Like, I have a mom and dad, and I grew up with them. And like, you're Deb and Greg. And it was so I, I literally didn't call them anything. I'd be like, hey, good to see you. Hey, can you pass the salt? You know, just, I never said their name. And That's it took funny. me years, years to be comfortable saying mom and dad. Now, 14 years in, I call them that, and it's totally normal. That's like their name. I only say that to say, I think when we talk about these things in multi-ethnic church context, we have to have realistic expectations on what culture even is. That mm -hmm. if someone isn't doing a call and, uh, you know, responding to a, a black person's sermon that there has to be some coaching up front to the black preacher like the guy did to you like oh yeah white people just take notes if they think it's a good sermon like that that a person of color can't interpret everything as being racist because it what what, right. it, what it feels like is they're not and that's just like cultural intelligence like there's a great book by david livermore that i recommend he was one of my mm -hmm. professors in college he's the one where i read divided by faith with so cultural intelligence it goes both ways where for for the black preacher or worship leader to understand a white person's culture like what they grew up in that's not sinful like the right. the mm -hmm. fact that you call them it's hard for you to call a mom and dad like that's not sinful it's not sinful to take notes i think you're on really theological shaky ground when when someone from whether it's a black church or the charismatic movement of the white side says that it's sinful to be stoic when you worship, right. to be still when you worship. I, I, I'm very, I think that's very condemning and judgmental. And, mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, the Bible does say clap your hands and worship. It does say shout to yeah. the Lord. So it says both. It says be still, and it says shout to the Lord. So I think we also, in any context, but specifically in the white church, we should encourage our people to obey those scriptures. Like, just try raising your hands once during worship. That the Bible says right here, you have permission to do it. The reason mm -hmm. you don't do it is because you grew up Presbyterian. That's not a bad <laughs> thing. But mm -hmm. this is what, it's just trying to stretch people. And then in the race context to say, it's kind of like the Love Languages book, which I really rail on that book quite a bit in my uh, in my book when it comes to marriage. But it's a good it's a good example in this where it's like for a black worship leader or a preacher, their love language is to be responded to hear response. It's like that's how they know you're mm -hmm. tr you're tracking with them. So if I'm white and that's not my love language, and I want to love my per my my brother or sister of color, I need to speak their love language and I need to respond. Like I need to clap yeah. my hands. I need to say hallelujah. It is, but on the same note. The person of color needs to know how hard it is for me in the middle of a worship service to say hallelujah. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Yeah. If I have a microphone in my hand, I can do it. If I'm in the crowd, I just, 
I just don't know why I, I can't do it. And so uh, <laughs> my only point to that is like sometimes it can be racist. I think like the one context you said, if the whole white church, if the white church all shuts down when the gospel song comes on, I mm-hmm. think there's some racism there. I think that's yeah. genuine racism that needs to be taught and, and worked on. I think there's some racism if nobody's willing to uh, if people are saying to the black leader, no, we're not going to we're not going to become like you. You have to become like us. I think there's racism in that. But there also has to be understanding in. Yeah, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. We're dealing with yeah, culture yeah. here and culture is just not a light switch. It's just it's just right. not so. Um, OK, so I, I bring that up to try to show the difficulty of what Chris is asking here. And what yeah. Kevin's trying to do, I, and, and I've talked too much on this. It's a nice article. The other things I'd mentioned, Chris, <clears throat> excuse me, for your question, let me get a drink, is uh, Kevin goes through 11 things. Uh, one of mm-hmm. them is like police and the judicial system. So Kevin writes, we do not agree on the reasons for mass incarceration or whether the disproportionate imprisonment of minorities is a sign of entrenched bias. We do not agree on the nature of police, <coughs> excuse me, on the nature of policing nor on the, the state of our judicial system. I think that's when I underlined and I said, okay, we need to agree there. Like, we need to get those white, <laughs> those white people who, because worship music is one thing and style is one thing, and there's some theology yeah. under there. I think there's some incorrect theology that can be brought to the table. Like, you don't have the Holy Spirit if you're not, like, clapping and shouting in worship. I think that's false gospel type of, type of theology that can be talked through on a biblical level. And there's just going to be some things there you're going to agree to disagree on. But I think when it comes to justice issues, like you said, Joe Swords and Ben Luthie, they're on these white churches, they're preaching and teaching about justice issues, about police brutality, about mass incarceration. I am going to agree with my person of color leader, my black leader, 99% of the time when it comes to police brutality. Because how, how, how could I as a white person know what it's like to be black in America? I mean... I've never had to give my kids the talk on how to not get killed by police as yeah. they grow by white police as yeah. they grow up or by any police. I've mm-hmm. never met a black person who hasn't had to give that talk to their kids. Yeah. So mm-hmm. 99 out of 100 times, I'm just I'm I, I'm going with what the black leader says on those issues because yeah. it's their it's and it's their life. And every once in a while, sure, there might be a case where. Uh, I read an article recently. This was from not an article. This is from it's either the, the um, White Awake book or what is Jim Wallace's new book? I just read it. Um, America's Original Sin. I read those both like back to back a couple of weeks ago. And in one of those books, they talk about the Michael Brown case where the hands up, don't shoot narrative uh, was really harped on by the white kind of um, non. What do I say? The non police brutality camp. Okay. Mm-hmm. where the original group of witnesses said Michael Brown had the hands up and don't shoot. Then there was a, uh, I think it was a Department of Justice did, a, did, did right. an independent report and found that wasn't actually the case. Uh, but, but, and so there, there, there's that. I'm not, I'm not saying always listen to everything that a black leader says blindly, but even in that, I forget if it was White Awake or, or um, America's Original Sin, they said, what's so sad is people hear that and say, See that? Like, that didn't actually happen. But in that same Department of Justice report, they discovered years of uh, yeah. mm-hmm. of overt in, like mm-hmm. oppression in Ferguson, 
overt, yep. so in, in Kevin DeYoung's article, entrenched bias. We do not agree on the nature of policing nor the state of our judicial system. I mean, you can look up Ferguson, Missouri, Department of Justice report, and it Bro, was crazy. so criminal and, and like racist and oppressive, the stuff that the police was doing yeah. on purpose. It was all documented yeah. on purpose See, to the community of color. This, Go ahead. This, Fer Ferguson didn't, that's the big misconception. Ferguson didn't burn yes. and just because of Michael Brown. Right. Just like just like in 67 when Detroit burned, it wasn't just that one incident. Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. years and years and years of oppression, corruption, and injustice. And Brown was just a straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. You know, what the, the uh, Alzir uh, Hotel in 67, that was just a straw that broke the camel's back. It's not just the isolated incident. And that's yeah. the thing that, you know... Um, to piggyback on what you're saying about the the nature of the entrenched um, corruption and, and bias, that's the thing that a lot of my white brothers they get they harped up on harp on the one issue. Yeah. No, it's not just one issue. It's not just Trayvon Martin. Exactly. You know, it's not yeah. just Michael Brown. That that is that one incident sheds the light on many unnamed, unarmed black men that uh, have lost their lives. Um, or thousands, um, no, millions, actually, of black and brown men who are incarcerated um, and white men got parole or white men got probation for doing the exact same crime. These are these are these are facts. You know, so when we you know, I'm, I'm overall I'm I'm you know, overall, I'm, I'm kind of I was reading and nodding my head. Um, but there are a couple things that that kind of. Yeah, you know, I was like, nah, I'm straight on um, the article, but uh, one one thing I would like to, one uh, he said what 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 which are uh, which points should we kind of focus on? Yeah. Um. I would like to. Um. I think we underemphasize the we underemphasize history. It says American history. Uh, what we agree on, what we disagree. I think that as as a church we. Uh, have this mentality that because it happened years ago, it's over with, it's done, and and we don't need to talk about it. No, we need to talk about how we got to where we are in 2018, where now we have a president that is uh, just overt, blatantly uh, biased against black and brown people, and right. white Christians uh, are either indifferent or ignore it. Yeah. That didn't just happen now. That happened because they're are hundreds of years of uh, overt, covert, implicit, explicit um, racism and bigotry and discrimination that the white evangelical church has just turned their blind eye to. Period. You know, so history does matter. History, uh, he says, da, 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 we, not, we do not, uh, we do not agree on whether history should be remembered chiefly as one of the um, one of liberty or virtue, blah, blah, blah. No, we, we, it, it's liberty. Uh, um, white American history is different from, uh, black history. <laughs> Two totally different narratives. Um, um, the history of people of African descent is a different history from the people, uh, the native people, mm -hmm. you know? So we, we need to, we can't just say, Oh, American history. No, the history of Europeans who came here is totally different from the narrative that, Africans, people of African descent, have experienced. 
So we need to talk about these things. We need to talk about how we got to where we are today because we can't just say, oh, you know, God bless America. This is countries based on American virtue, uh, Christian virtues and whatnot. No, you can't say that. And the country was built on slavery um, and displacing the native, native people. Yeah. You know, so America, what the true narrative needs to be discussed or we'll never be able to untangle where we are today. Yeah. So, Chris, you just got, like, the whole episode right there, brother. So I hope that helps you. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, let us know if we didn't answer the question you, you were asking. I think oh, one thing I didn't get to, you said, I would also be curious to hear about if, where, on this scale, one should break communion with another Christian. Do you think such mm. areas exist in the race discussion like they exist on doctrinal issues? Uh, I do. Um, I, I do. And if, if there, if there is a, um, number one on his article is, I mean, we can vary on Martin Luther King. Um, uh, we can vary on, you know, to some degree on, uh, I mean, cause I just think most, most white Christians see America through rose colored, red, white, and blue patriotic lens and ignore the years of atrocities. I mean, we can, we can, you know, we can vary on that. But if there is a Christian who is um, overtly racist, um, overtly, and and refuse to, um, refuse re- refuse to even hear what the gospel says, the gospel implications on their sin of racism and discrimination. Uh, I think that's I would consider that grounds to uh, say, hey, brother, you know, I don't I, I don't see how we can really have fellowship because you you think it is uh, acceptable to view another image bearer of God as less than yourself. So other things I think we can vary on to some degree. I, I just think I think. That is so egregious. I don't, I, I, me personally, I don't see how I can have fellowship with that person. Sure. Yeah. And I think, and this is, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I could be wrong on that, but I think, I don't know about, and I, I would not, I wouldn't break fellowship over this, but I, I think one, one layer for me is, you know, I used to think, and Kevin brings this up in his article about multi ethnic church and stuff. I used to be of the mindset that every church must, you know, should be multi ethnic. If not, they're in sin. And that's kind of right. how I operated. And even part of, you know, we're attempting a merge of churches and it's 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 challenging. It's difficult. You know, you you end up. um, It's just difficult. I think what Tyler did is the best thing where you you plant a church from scratch that's multi-ethnic. Or we've said before, if you're white and you're looking for a church to attend, just go join a black church. I think, you know, that's that's another uh, really effective way to kind of bring that about. But I think, you know. I used to have the mindset because Kevin brings up this this point where it seems like there's an argument in the evangelical church where you'll have the and you see it politically. You see it on the right and the left where it's the the right is concerned about the unborn and about marriage, uh, you know, the values of a traditional marriage sexuality issues. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. on the and and that and then on the left, uh, they're concerned about racial uh, injustice and uh, police brutality, things like we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And my answer to that is it's it's both, right? It's it's that yeah. 
you can't pick one or the other and it's both because it's all biblical stuff and i think yeah. what what that debate just depicts is it's just a reflection of our culture and that's so sad to me that we've allowed politics we've allowed cnn and fox news and and whatever else is out there and and, and uh the Republican and the Democrat and Rush Limbaugh and all these radio shows to tell us that, you know, to put us in these categories. And I just hate that. Yeah. If the Bible were leading us, we'd care about the unborn. We'd be caring yeah. about biblical sexuality. We'd be yep. caring about racial justice. We'd be caring about police brutality. We'd be caring about mass incarceration. There'd be no, there'd be no, is it this one or is it that one? I mean, that's as silly yeah. as saying, I don't know, should I, is it, well, we're a church that only talks about not stealing, but we don't talk about not lying. You know, that that, yeah. that church down the road talks about not lying, but man, they yeah. they don't talk about not stealing. I mean, it's just like what are we doing? It's just I don't we, it's, it's frustrating bro, it's, to me. I I I had to I had to fight with all that was within me this week as all of this was unfolding at the border. Um because it is it is it is the picture of hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. How how is this acceptable? How can you call yourself pro-life, and it's acceptable for a child to be snatched from their parent and put in a cage? Yeah. How are you pro-life? Yeah, right. Exactly. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you're just anti-abortion. Um, and and I see it, and it 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 infuriates me how one side makes everything about, and you know, just you know, it, it make everything about pro. I mean. <sighs> <laughs> you, you you say you don't want babies to be aborted, but then you care nothing about the quality of life once they're once they're born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, how, you're not pro-life. You're just anti-abortion. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, we work with multiple crisis pregnancy uh, two crisis pregnancy centers in Detroit. My wife and I personally invest countless time and, and countless resources to unwed pregnant single mothers in our church and in our community you know we we got the stripes we do it for real for real mm-hmm. you know we not, we're not just gonna say we're we gonna vote democratic i mean we're gonna vote republican and we're pro-life mm-hmm. no our, our we live pro-life our family is pro-life our church is pro-life but we also care about the quality of human the quality of life of these humans once they get here yeah don't tell me you're pro-life yeah, yeah. i mean it's, it's it's hypocrisy and i i think that um from trump to Trayvon, God is just exposing the mass hypocrisy of the evangelical church. Yeah, it start it started it started at Trayvon Martin. That 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 was like a a tipping point. Um, and and we and and you just see it this this the hypocrisy that um you care about you care about um traditional marriage, but you you don't care about the the orphan and the widow. And the foreigner among you that the Bible talks about repeatedly. Yeah, well, and I've heard, and I think this is helpful, people, uh, the critique of the evangelical pro-life movement is it's not a pro-life movement, it's a pro-birth movement. Yep. So Mm -hmm. we want those babies born, but once they're born, we don't care about if they're being oppressed or if they're they're in systemic poverty, systemic injustice. We're not going to talk about those issues, but we'll let them be born— and then be taken away from their parents at the border. We'll let them be born and be, you know, you know th- those sorts of things. So, it doesn't make any sense to me, man. Yeah. And, I, I just, it, it doesn't make any sense. I don't see why I have to choose. Exactly, yeah. I, I hate I hate abortion. 
Yeah. But I also hate mass incarceration. Yeah, and I, and I would say, and I hate the circumstances that lead many young women in exactly. poverty to, to get abortions, right? I hate those circumstances, Ooh. and I want those circumstances to change. Now, I also acknowledge that there's a movement where abortion is, is about me getting to have sex with whoever I want, and you have these affluent, uh, even well, mar- yeah. ma- married people getting abortions, you know? And, and it's like, what in the heck? Because it's money. Money's all they care about, you know? If, and they're murdering a child because of money. I think that's very different. Uh, you know, that, that married couple or the, the, the uh, let's say, whoever it is that just is having sex with whoever they want. And sure, you can say, okay, well, a guy can have sex with 50 women, and he never has to carry a baby in his belly, but it's not fair that the woman can't have sex with 50 guys or one or two guys or whatever. She has to worry about this baby in her belly. So she should be able to get an abortion. It's a sexist, you know, sort of thing. That's the, that's the argument being made today. And we're talking about human life. Like, yeah, I'm a guy, but I didn't set it up. Like I don't, I didn't, I didn't set it anything up this way. I think we all as both genders need to come together and say, what's happening is biblical sexuality is out of control in our culture yeah, where man. we want to have sex like rabbits. Like, we just want to yeah. have sex like a stray dog and hump the mm-hmm. nearest tree. And mm-hmm. that's socially acceptable nowadays. And yeah. for men and women, like, yeah. that needs to stop. We need to save sex until marriage. I mean, all, that all started back in the 60s with the, the sexual yep. revolution, right? So that's, a, that's one type of abortion. And none of the abortion is right, but I do have a, a sense of empathy for a, a woman who was, uh, you know, is poor and, and, and has never had a dad and is looking for love and is 15 and she sleeps with this guy. And Bro, like, yeah. And look, she should not get an abortion. But what I'm saying is the Christian answer can't just be pro-birth. The Christian answer has to be how do we get into that community and how do yeah. we try to, and, and you know, how do we end poverty? I mean, that's such a, we're not going to end poverty. I realize that. But to not even... <laughs> To not even pray against poverty, to not even speak out against poverty, to not even be involved on a missional level with the poor, and just to stand off in a, in a white tower somewhere, uh, an ivory tower, and, and look down on, on, on some of these folks, that, that to me is a thing that we can't do, because I don't think that's what Jesus did. You know, he, he, he confronted the sin, but he was so, he filled up that gap. He filled that, it's a love gap that was there, and he filled it up right. with his love. And so... Yeah. Um, well, look it, at us. It, we just talked about abortion for uh, a good a good chunk of our episode. You never know where I, we're going to head on this this podcast. I, I think I think your point about um, how sex is viewed is so dispensable that it, it's it that's the problem. That's the epidemic in where I live in Detroit and where the richest suburb, Birmingham and West Bloomfield. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 that's not a cultural thing. That's not a, that's not a race thing. That's just something we, we, we don't view it as um, the way God views it. Give a, and give, that's, give a quick shout out for me for my book. Um, Noah wrote a book. Uh, what is it? Uh, <laughs> you, you like it when I give my own shout out. So I was going to have you do it. I like that you're taking it. it. You're taking it very seriously though. I appreciate that. You can't remember the name, but I like that you are actually doing it. That's awesome. He wrote a book, and it's about sex. Your maturity and growth is a testament of God working in your life. 
Praise Jesus. It's called Beyond the Battle. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I knew it was. I was. I get it confused with the other book, Every Man's Battle. But right. That's a, it's a little. Play, it's a. It's a play on words. Mine is a sequel to that one. Yours is better. I've well, never read. Either. I. I kind of. Uh, I do kind of rip on Beyond. Uh, I. I, I kind of rip on Every Man's Battle. A, a fair amount in my book. Maybe rip I mean, I on think, is a strong word, but that that book did did a lot of harm to me during my single years. So your, your your book is better. I've never read either, uh, but I'm just assuming yours is better. Thank you. Uh, I'm not I'm not gonna put that on one of my endorsements. I've never read either, but yours is better. <laughs> All right, listen. Let me say this, and then we're gonna move on to limited atonement before we uh, very briefly, I guess. My goodness, we're almost an hour in. I know, I know. Thanks to Chris. So uh, one. Uh, one mailbag piece that I got was from Aaron, and he said, so are you and Tyler getting a podcast ready on Romans 13? We can all use <laughs> some sense and context put back in that passage. He's referring to Jeff Sessions qu- quoting uh, Romans 13 as far as we need to obey our governing authorities. And Now, uh, you want to you wanna call a Peyton Manning audible and hit, hit that and then hit uh, Limited Atonement next podcast? Here's what I wanted. Here's my. Here, let, let's do this. Let's let's just talk a little bit about limited atonement because I think it's very similar to. Uh, I keep wanting to say unlimited, unlimited. Ele- <laughs> What's the one last week? Unlimited election. I'm not a good Calvinist. Trust me. You're uh, unconditional. Unconditional you election. Me. They're yeah, very you, similar. You, here's here's what I, here's what I want to say. Okay, this mm-hmm. is not. Don't make fun of me. I'm not self-glossing my blog here. I'm making a point about Chris's question. Okay. During the Trump election, I was writing a lot of blogs that I feel are biblically sound, like prophetic sort of blogs. I was getting a lot of flack from people. And I, and I did hit a point where I was like, okay, maybe I'm – I don't want to be the guy either who's like, if you disagree with me on Jeff Sessions or on Trump or on immigration – a lot of my posts were about immigration at the time or on police brutality. If you disagree with me, you know, you're not saved. You're not a Christian. You're a bad Christian. And that's kind of what I was communicating. And it's hard to, when you're a pastor (laughs) and you're communicating that you have to be really humble about these things. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, here's what happens too. And this goes back to Chris's question. And I think even Kevin DeYoung's article, and this is what happens in a lot of these gospel coalition, white churches is when I post an article, like the one I wrote, and I'm about to post it again. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it because in our conversation I've been convicted that the reason I haven't talked about Jeff Session quoting Romans 13 and the uh, immigration stuff <clears throat> excuse me, recently is because I wrote a book on biblical sexuality. And I want readers, and a lot of the readers who care about sexual purity – they're the mm. ones that that don't that are they're, they're the they're against this <laughs> immigration stuff, right? And so and they're against this police brutality stuff. So I I, I I'm more gun shy to post these things because I want to sell oh. books and I want and I want to impact people with with this message of sexual purity. And the same thing is is true for pastors where we don't talk about justice issues or in Jeff Sessions is is blatantly misusing the Bible and abusing God's word just like Terrible. just like slave masters did in the 1800s they did the same thing they quoted the same verse they quoted Romans yep. 13 so i'm hitting enter right now um, on my facebook page and on my twitter feed and in an article I wrote, are we to be subject to the governing authorities when their laws goes against God? I'm going to give you my 30 seconds, Tyler. You can have as much time as you want. I'm just going to give 30 seconds. I'm going to say this. Um, 
Jesus broke laws, which is part of the reason he got crucified. One of the laws was you, you had to say Caesar was God. I mean, he taught his people not to say Caesar was God, not to say mm-hmm. Caesar was king. Uh, the disciples broke the law all the time. They got beaten for it. The book of Acts is clear. So the article I just posted, it's at addedcrossroads.net. You'll have to search for it because it's an old article. But if you go to my Facebook page or Twitter, you'll see it fresh. Uh, go to Black, the BW Theology Twitter, and, and you'll see it there. Um, uh, all, the, all the references to the book of Acts, where the disciples got beaten. For what? For breaking the law. And here's Don't what, say that name. Don't preach in that name. Uh, what, what I say in my article is, Augustine was quoted by Martin Luther King in the letter from the Birmingham jail. And here's what Martin Luther King says, quoting Augustine. Augustine says that an unjust law is no law at all. And then Dr. King says, we should never forget that everything Adolf Hitler did in Germany was legal. Okay. Uh, So I'm going to give you Adolf Hitler. I'm going to give you the Underground Railroad. The Underground Railroad was built by Christians. Every single one you go to, uh, of the uh, Sojourner Truth and, and, Rose, and I'm not just Underground Railroad, but civil rights leaders like Rosa Parks, these were Christians breaking the law mm-hmm. in order to bring about God's will. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm going to leave that to answer that question. It's my 30 yeah. seconds, which turned into 60, to check out the rest of what I wrote on that. But, uh, whew, that, 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 yeah. that, there you go. I, that, I, that's my take. I agree. Um... I agree. And let me just read Romans 13. Um, uh, Romans 13, verse, uh, I guess it's the verse. Uh, verses 1 through, I guess, 2 or 3. Uh, Let everyone submit to the governing authorities, since there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists the authorities um, is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. So I, I, um, what, what, I'm not disagreeing with, with anything you said. God put Donald Trump in office. We voted, but a sovereign guy, I mean, God, all throughout the Bible, he talks about how I, I appoint the king. You know, so none of this is happening in a vacuum outside of God's will. God is in complete control of the um, country, the president, the attorney general, all of those different things. Now, um, when we talk about um, obeying the law and obeying the authorities, to piggyback on what you said, we are not called to obey laws that break the laws and the commandment of God. Right. Peter said when he was arrested, uh, for preaching in the name of Jesus, I believe it's uh, Acts 4. Should we submit to you or should we submit to God? Yes. When Christians, when Christians are faced with the choice, do we submit to the law of the kingdom, the word of God, or do we submit to a flawed, broken government? Yes, God has put them in place. Yes, God has put uh, Donald Trump in office. You know, we voted, but God, in his sovereignty, in his divine authority, saw fit to put the president, I, I filtered myself, I caught that at the last minute, this gentleman in, in office. But um, we are not called to submit and surrender to laws that contradict the law of the kingdom, that contradict the word of God. It's clear. Yeah. Um, should we obey God or should we serve, uh, submit to man? 
Right. So, um, and for and for any Christian to um, think that these quote laws uh, that are completely against all things God, against all things humane, that fly in the face of a loving God, that fly in the face of of a gracious gospel, that that those things are okay because it's law. I question what Bible you read, and I question what what biblical standard and foundation you have in your life. Right. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing about anything that happened at that border we should support. It's disgusting. It's atrocious. Um. So yeah, man, I'm gonna stop before I. There you go. Before I. <laughs> and then it's, it's 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 bad. It's terrible, man. It's terrible. And here's what the po- politicians have have brainwashed you to respond to uh, you the listener that that might disagree with what tyler just said well so you're saying it should just be open borders so you're saying we shouldn't have any laws at all about immigration so Mm -hmm. just just for the record nobody said Mm -hmm. that nobody said that i definitely did not nobody said that so just for the record i just want to get that and i'm not i i say that a little sarcastic and i do apologize for that because i do get a little upset about because it's so (laughs) It's such a common way of dismissing sin. It's a common way of dismissing. No, we're not saying that. That that's just that's the that's the Rush Limbaugh versus you know whatever you know that that's the mm. the CNN and that that's the that that is not how we operate as Christians. We we right. trans, we transcend that. We transcend. We should the need. We should we should we we should transcend the knee jerk. It's all or nothing. All this or all that. It's hardly ever all or. Or nothing. I mean, that's what I just right. hate about politics and these debates. I'm telling you, that's why I don't even like posting this stuff on Facebook or Twitter mm-hmm. because I will get people from my church, possibly. I will get friends from other places who will who will say that exact same thing, and I just get tired of it, and I want yeah. to not talk about it. But we have to talk about it because that's there's if if you agree with 100% of a Democratic platform, if you agree with 100% of a Republican. Uh, Republican platform, I I question if you're in the kingdom of God. Boom. <laughs> I just yeah. I, bec- well, you're in ne- you're, ne- you're in a kingdom. You're in the kingdom of Republicanism, and you're in the kingdom of of Democratism, and if, and, and that's just if, not the kingdom if, that your allegiance is supposed to be to. If you align with 100 percent of either one of those, yeah, I, I you're not worshiping the Lamb. You're not worshiping the Lamb of God. You're worshiping a donkey. Or an elephant. Yeah. It's just that simple. Yeah. It's just that simple. Yeah. Because because they both contradict Christ. They both contradict the gospel glaringly in many ways. Uh, so And of course, I, I don't think that we should have open borders. There should be a process for immigrants to the come into our we, country. The process we have now is a really bad process. It, the, that, it that's stinks. What, that's what I learned. Matthew Sorens from World Relief. I interviewed him. He's written a great book, two great books. You should check them out. Uh, the The current process, it, there is no process. I mean, it's there's no <laughs> line. You, you, it, it, it's impossible for a person from Mexico to immigrate to the U.S. Uh, unless they they meet this type of parameter that nobody meet. I mean, the the line to get in line is like thirty years. There's no line to wait mm. in. It's just it's mm-hmm. inhumane. It's uh, anyway. That's a whole other subject. But it's it, racist. Uh, it is. I, I will just say this. Don't use the the knee jerk. Well, they need to get in line and do it legally. There's not a legal way for yeah. 
the vast majority of immigrants from Mexico, Central America to immigrate to the United States. Um, the, and then that's a whole nother. We, we can certainly talk about that. I, 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 uh, I did a lot of research on that. We did a big event in Lansing last February called Love Your Neighbor, and it was all about this subject. And so uh, if, if somebody is upset about what we said or confused or wants follow up, mm -hmm. just ask us and we can talk more about that and next time. And if you and if you got a real issue with illegal immigrants, get out there and pick pick your own cherries, pick your strawberries. There's a great. Who, who, who. <laughs> I can't remember what comedian uh, said it, uh, but they were like, "Man, fine, take get rid of all these illegal immigrants. Who 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 gonna do these jobs? Said, Are the white people gonna go out there and work in these fields? Because the, the black people, we done." We did our time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm, and it is, and every, and I know illegal immigrants. These these people work seventy times, and this whole they're lazy. Are you kidding me? And a better word how, is undocumented immigrants, honestly. Because right, yeah, undocumented. You know, yeah. that, that illegal. They're committing a crime. Well, it'd, it'd be the same crime you'd commit if you loved your kids and you know you wanted to provide for them. I, I I'd be an immigrant yeah. as well. Illegally, Bro. if I because I have three kids, and if I was in the setting that they were in in Mexico, you would too. Like, don't call it a criminal. Like, like, oh, you're a criminal. That's just that same like, you know. You, and, and, you yeah, know I mean. yeah. It's 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 ridiculous, man. It's, it's ridiculous that that you could say that you embrace a loving God, and you can look at children put in cages. Yeah. screaming yeah shrieking because they're separated from their parents you what how you'll know they'll know that you're my disciples by your love by your compassion by your grace by 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 your willingness to to entreat those who are foreign man I they'll have... know you by, you're, they'll know you're my disciples by your love not how you vote i've got three kids ages six four and one and I tear up right now even thinking about any circumstance ever where somebody would do that to my kids. Oh, bro. I'm bro. <laughs> it wouldn't be pretty, man. It wouldn't be pretty. I'm they're going to have to I they going I'm I'll be a hashtag cuz I'm <laughs> right. I'm taking I'm taking two or three officers out. I'm tearing that cage open. I'm losing it. I'm I'm losing my mind. Yeah, man, it's it's I I don't see how I don't see how you read the Bible and come up to to some of the conclusions. I don't I don't see how you say that you believe in the grace of God and it's okay to treat people in a like less like they're less than humans. How 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 I don't see I, again the hip the hypocrisy and this is why um, millennials. This is why people of color are leaving the church in droves. They're leaving the church in droves. I talked to them. I, I yeah. engaged yeah, people yeah. under 30 and people of color are leaving the church in droves because they see this massive discrepancy in what we say and how we live, what we say and how we vote, what we say is the truth of God's word, what we trumpet and who we support uh, as political uh, officials. People of color, I'm telling you, man, they're done. They're done. And 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 people under 30, 32, they're they're leaving the church and mass exit. Because this 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 discrepancy. 
let me give a resource on this. It's a, mm -hmm. an excellent documentary. It's not very long. I think it's like 40 minutes. It's done by the Evangelical Immigration Table. And that I believe Southern Baptist Convention also was a part of the, the main funder of this video. And I give them a, just a ton of respect for it because I'm sure they got a lot of flack within their denomination for did. it. Oh, I know they did. But go to uh, it's thestrangerfilm.org. So it's a, a film called The Stranger. So it's thestrangerfilm.org. It's free to watch. Uh, watch it. We watched it at our church, and it'll ch it'll change the way you view immigration. You'll just realize like how jacked up the system really is. And um, then the other resource is Matthew Sorens. He's written a couple books from World Relief. I think mm -hmm. it's S O E R E N S. I interviewed him on my old podcast, Behind the Curtain. So if you want to Google his name and my interview from Behind the Curtain, that's another good one. That I it just. Man, if you're a humble person and you're like open to learning, the stuff right. he, the stuff he told me, I was like, "What? <laughs> like, I had no clue." <laughs> That's the key, though. Yeah. If you're a humble person, if you're willing and to you're learn, open to learning. Yeah. 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 If, if you could put away your cultural. Uh, and and black black that and that's not that's not just saying white Christians. I mean that's that's all of us. Yeah. If you could put away your bias and you can put away uh, your preconceived notions, man, you will learn a lot, especially yeah. on immigration because it, it it's immigration is so cloudy, it's so cloudy. Well, I think I'm gonna take your advice, Tyler. We'll, we're gonna wrap this episode up. We will save. <laughs> I think listeners are gonna be very disappointed. They've waited this whole time and they're like. When are they going to talk about limited atonement? When? Tell me when. When? There's, there's going to be a riot in the street. It was God's sovereign will. He foreordained before the creation of the world that we would not get to limited atonement in today's article. Or, Such uh, a time. Episode. So we will get to that next time. Next time will be about a week and a half from now if we, if we are back on schedule. You can reach out to us at BW Theology on Twitter mm -hmm. and email us bwtheology at gmail.com feel free to interact with us and we will interact with you on the show you might get a whole episode dedicated to you like Chris got today <laughs> so Chris I want you to hit the streets of Clio and get a hundred people to start listening to this podcast that's what you owe us got it good all right I, I think that's feasible i feel you tyler got anything else um no love people and stop being a jerk to kids in cages at the border until next time we are your dark <laughs> maple syrup poured over your pale white pancake See ya. I mean, talk to you. I'm gonna time. look for. I'm gonna look for a new host. <laughs> <laughs>